Welcome to Legends of the Hall, the podcast centered around the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in Colorado Springs, telling the stories of the greatest stars in the history of Pro Rodeo. On today's show, we talk to five-time world champion, 21-time NFR qualifier, and one of the most popular figures in Pro Rodeo history, Billy Etbauer. This is professional rodeo announcer Steve Kenyon. Legends of the Hall is being sponsored by Wrangler, the official Western wear of Pro Rodeo. Long live Cowboys. In just a moment, we'll talk bronc riding, horses, and more with Billy Etbauer. Hey, y'all, this is Cody Johnson. When I was starting out in music, most every radio station and venue I went to told me no. At that point, you got two options, tuck tail and quit or buckle down and fight. Well, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. And that's why I wear Wrangler jeans and shirts. Their toughness and style are legendary. They're an iconic symbol of the West, and there's no quit in them either. Life's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And if I'm going to enjoy the ride, I'm riding in Wrangler. Wrangler, long live Cowboys. Welcome to the Legends of the Hall podcast. This is so much fun for me because I get to reach back and, and talk to some of the people who really have helped to build professional rodeo and make it what it is today. And if you go through the PRCA's media guide and you read the biographies of saddle bronc rider after saddle bronc rider after saddle bronc rider, there's a question in there. Who do you look up to? Who do you, who, who really, and the, the answer is not always, but is very frequently Billy Etbauer. Billy Etbauer joins us on Legends of the Hall. Billy, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Well, it's, it's been a few years since a, your last trip to the NFR. It's been a few years since that last world title in 2004. You guys have been busy since then. You've set up a horse business. I want to get into all of that later on. But, I mean, you haven't sat around and, and let the time go. You've been working pretty hard, I think, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, we've been, we've been staying busy, that's for sure. Yeah, we got all, a lot of horses running out of here between uh, between our, our mares and then a bunch of recipient mares. And, you know, just trying to keep paid in front of them. And, and just like now, we're, we're basically knee-deep in mud right now, you know, which yeah. is a blessing to, to have, the, have the rain, you know. So, uh, yeah, we got plenty to do. Yeah. Uh, inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2012 alongside your brother, Robert, the two of you combined for seven world titles. Think back on that day. What was that day like, Billy? Well, it, it's, I don't know. You, I don't know how you really explain that. You know, I mean, it was what an honor and, and a blessing it was for us to be able to make a living doing what we love to do, you know, and for everybody to uh, feel that you're – you know the the potential to be to be in that you know so well, I just thank everybody for their support and and uh, you know everybody that you know felt that we deserved to be there you know so just thanks everybody for everything so 21 trips to the NFR 51 go round wins uh, the second man to go over three million dollars and the first one to do it in one event behind Trevor Brazil who obviously competed in multiple events um, five world titles. Um, you look back on that now, and uh, what do you think as you look back on that career? <laughs> sure, I'd like to do it again. <laughs> and, uh, you know what? Like I say, what a blessing, you know, and to be able to have the family, you know, between Robert and Danny and Craig, uh, you know, all rodeoing together like that. You know, I mean, it's, you, you know, we, we all just absolutely 
loved what we were doing, you know, and, and everybody was, everybody's family, let alone fans and friends, you know, were behind you 110%. And you, you, you know, you just couldn't ask for a, uh, for a, a better, more fun life than to do what you love to do and be able to make a living doing it, you know? So if it was me, Billy, it would be hard to not go back and multiply those 51 go round wins by what a go round win pays today, just to see what, you know, it, I, the money has grown so much. You guys helped to lay the foundation from that, but I mean, do you ever think about, wow, you know, if, if we had that kind of money available to us, way back. of course you weren't paying five bucks a gallon for diesel either. So that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we wasn't paying a hundred thousand dollars for a pickup either, yeah. you know? So yeah, no, it, it, it's, uh, it was great money. Uh, like that in, in our day, it was great money, you know, and especially even by the time that I got done, what we were earning when I started professionally and when I ended professionally, you know, the, the numbers were huge, uh, from that time, you know, and just like that, having the, the sponsorships, you know, started coming on kind of about that time, uh, too. So, you know, when you take Mr. Funk's express ranches and you get that kind of people, uh, that is supporting, that cowboy heritage and and the cowboy all the way around you know it, that's what it takes just to make things big, bigger and better and you know like it's it, what an honor to be underneath of them and having them help you down the road you know because it, it's just a none of us robert danny craig and i neither one none of us could have done everything that we was able to do because of express ranches you know so it's it, it it takes everybody's help and we sure appreciate everybody helping us. The, I think most people know the story, but remind me of the, the story of when you guys first started and it was Robert, Danny and Billy Etbauer and Craig Latham, who um, I think a lot of us always felt probably was an Etbauer. He just didn't have the last name, but um, you guys pooled your money. You're, you you weren't rich in the beginning, and you know if somebody <laughs> if somebody won a third place paycheck at a rodeo, that maybe was what got you down the road to the next one. Talk about those early years. Oh yeah, and that and that's for sure. You know, and then just like that, we called Craig. Well, Craig and I our our rookie years was the same year, and so we started rodeoing professionally together. And then, uh, well, like back in those days, you could only uh, buddy two you know and and so in order to have you know there was always you know you could you could buddy four people or you know you could enter them the same but only two could buddy you know so we had uh craig and i were going one way danny and danny and robert was going another and you know it was just you know to be able to to be able to do that and and you know, keep on going. We had to pool, you know, none of us really had any money. We were just living day by day. And Robert actually, there was one time there that Craig and me and Robert, we all had to get a flight from, and that's, I think Pueblo to somewhere. And Robert, and they went and got a, uh, borrowed some money from the bank. And, you know, so we were all, 
combining our money after that too to pay for that bill to just for the one plane ride you know but to go to just keep going down that road we didn't as a whole we didn't have to borrow money all the time but we was borrowing it from each other in the same senses that you know every what you won went back into the kitty just to keep everybody going you know and thankfully after the after everybody made the finals um, you know, Robert and Danny made them in 88 and then Craig and I and Robert and Danny all made them in 89, you know, on, you know, so everybody was able to kind of stand on their own, their own feet, you know, not to say that we might, might try to help each other out periodically here and there, maybe a, a little bit, but, uh, nothing like what it was. It, it took all four of us, our paychecks to get us down the road. So. Billy, it was I had, a blessing to have everybody to to keep to hold together like that. Yeah, Billy, I I remember when I when I first joined the PRCA, it was, gosh, it was thirty years ago now. Um, I should probably call and get that gold card, shouldn't I? It's uh, a whole other story. <laughs> uh, but when I first joined the PRCA, and when I was thinking about joining the PRCA and really getting involved in in rodeo in the late eighties, early nineties, um, the story I always heard was you. You rodeoed during the year at that level to make the finals, and you hoped you broke even during the year, and the finals was where you made your money. I don't know that it's that way today because so many events are paying so much more, but is that an accurate description of the the especially the early years with you guys? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely for sure. Yeah, I mean, any, anything at the finals after that was, you know, just icing on the cake, and you know, and it didn't just like today, depending on what somebody's making, you know. I mean, there's and especially in the timed events, you know, between the barrel racing and and bulldog calf rope and team rope, when you're having to pack horses around, and you've got to pay, you've got to have the pickup, the trailer, you know, let alone the horse and all that money that you get into that. You know, and I'm just glad that I was a bronc rider. You know, just packing the saddle around is just, you know, those the I would have to say the rough side guys. You know, they're they're uh, you know I'm not going to tell you the top 15 are making money before the finals, but uh, you know there's more of them that are just because they don't have to have all that other equipment. You know, and you know between the pickup and trailer stuff you know but like that that's where all those sponsorships have come in to to helping all these guys so much more you know is because there's just no way that you've got to have some money coming from somewhere to do that because you just can't like just like that good paying five bucks for diesel you can't just uh go and buzz down the road and do that yourself you know it, that's that's that kind of money's got to come from somewhere yeah you know i look at the guys today and um, the, the, especially the upper echelon rodeo athletes, they kind of look like NASCAR drivers with all the sponsor logos and all that. You guys had, had one or two, you had express ranches basically. Yeah, no. And I always stuck with express, you know, I, I really feel express was one of the, you know, I think between, uh, uh, well, of course, Dan Morrison had DeWalt, you know, back in the day. And yeah. then, and then, you know, I think as far as a true sponsor, you know, I had express ranches, you know, and I'm sure there was some, you know, some more out there, but I guess that was just because we was knocking heads all the time, you know, that, that was two of the, you know, the core sponsors that started things, you know, that was really deep into it from the beginning, you know, and, and like that, I wouldn't have been able to do 
what we or even Robert and Danny Craig, the whole lot, you know, because we were taking a plane from the sponsorship uh, of Express starting in with me in '96, and everybody else from '97 on, you know, and I had a ruptured a disc in my back in '92. And, you know, if I wasn't flying, then basically I was spending most of my time at home just trying to keep get back to healthy where I could ride good again. Yeah. You know, so those, those sponsorship deals is just it's, it's just helping everybody survive and be able to make a living doing what they love to do. You know, I think back on on times that I interviewed you when you were competing, you, you always you always went out of your way to make sure you talked about express ranches. I remember you all, it seemed like a lot. You would reference, whether you were asked about it or not, your back was holding up okay. That that was an issue you had to deal with a lot in your career, wasn't it, that back? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it was from 92 on. I ruptured the disc in my back in 92 on. And really, when they, when I had, when they finally figured it out, it was 93 um, that they finally figured out, uh, I guess, what was wrong. And they went and had surgery. So I was walking four miles every day and and doing all these exercises and stuff just to keep everything held together so I could keep riding. And just like that, if if I were to ride in a vehicle all night and all day like I was before, then I was getting out and I was crippled the next day. So ex- with Express being, we were able to fly in. We had a few different planes that we uh, that we flew in, but the most of it was in a pressurized 210. And actually, we took Mr. Foxleer hmm. uh, a few times too, you know, to get us from point A to point B, you know. But I was able to stay healthy and, like I say, sleep in a hotel room, you know, in a bed all night and wake up in the morning and do my exercises and we'd fly over to the next rodeo and the same thing. So I was able to stay healthy, you know, during that, let alone, uh, you know, I think it, it saved on everybody, you know, being able to go longer and stuff, just, just to be able to go to, to more rodeos and, and not have to drive every mile of it, you know? So it was, it, it was a, a big time blessing to be able to do that. You know, there are a lot of us old guys like me who who look at a rodeo arena today and the next generation of the guys in the Blue Express Ranches shirt show up, the Wright family. Um, I it's 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 almost spooky to me to see how how, you know, Mr. Funk and, and the Express Ranches folks and, and whomever is in charge of all of that today um, has been able to find over the last three decades the two most successful families of saddle bronc riders to get behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, I don't know that Mr. Funk and that whole that whole deal is, you know, it, it's just great people, you know. And I, I, you know, I think, you, you know, that's a God sent deal that you know everybody, everybody uh, works at taking care of Bob, and Bob works at taking care of everybody because he's got the biggest heart there is, and. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of people have a big heart to be able to uh, try to fulfill his dreams, too, you know, and 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 do what they can to, to you know, make him feel good about it and, and what he's doing for them. You know, so uh, you just can't say enough about what he's what he's done for everybody. Yeah. Um, what do you ever think about, you know, the comparison of the rights and the Etbowers watching 
Stetson and Statler and Rusty and Ryder compete. And your your career overlapped the boys' dads. I think Cody was was just kind of starting out when you were were getting done. If I if I remember right, uh, yeah. What do you think yeah. about when you watch watch the Wright boys today? Yeah, no, it, it's great. You know, I mean, and there's a bunch of those kids, right? Great. You know, it, it's in the horses, you know, are, the horses are so great. You know, I mean, it, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know. It, it's just a blast. And, and like that to have those express shirts on, you know, that's, you know, that's just kind of a little extra bonus, you know, but those guys still have to go take care of their end and, and, uh, you know, if, if everybody could stay healthy and they were all going, then you'd really have them colored up. But, uh, you know, if you had, you know, you'd have eight or 10 shirts out there instead of just three or four or five, whatever's healthy, you know, but, uh, but no, it, it's great. And it, it sure be fun to knock heads with them, you know, uh, uh, like back in the day or, you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, they ride great. And, and just like that, we had Cody was a great, uh, guy and and we had fun rodeoing with him, you know. So uh, it's it's just fun to see all these kids the way you know how great they ride. So it's awesome. Can I ask you about 2003 and 2004 at the national finals rodeo? You drew the same horse back to back years. Cool Alley from the Kesslers um, set arena records with 93 point rides in 2003 and then matched it in 2004 in round 10 in the process winning your fifth world title at the age of almost 42 41 years and 11 months um how tell me about the first ride and did you get a little excited when you saw him when you saw you had that horse again in the 10th go round uh the, the very <laughs> next year what was that like yeah, well, it, it, it was crazy. I mean, it, it was basically scary. <laughs> because, well, you know, in the first year, and I'd never been on him, you know, you just knew that he was a bucker and and uh, was a great one, you know, like the first year that I had her. And, and so it was you know, just to be able to make the whistle and, and, uh, kind of hang in there and keep everything going, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I never got off of one thinking I made the, the perfect ride or the awesome ride. There was always something that I could do better, you know? So, uh, then when you come down to 04, when it's for the world and horse of the year and, and the 10th go around and everything, the whole scenario was, was kind of perfect and just like that i was uh you know just going to try to make the best ride i could you know and like that you're not going to be able to just hang on and get by uh something like him and especially the way that i ride you know or rode you know and uh uh you know it uh i'm just thankful we just kept getting set back down in there you know and uh you know it was uh uh, it, it was definitely a hair-raising experience, you know, and it was, uh, it doesn't get any, doesn't get any better when you get all done, you know, cause it was right there at the, at the, uh, you know, right there at the tweeter that I, that it bucked off and I ex- actually want to hit the ground and I separated my ribs and thankfully it was the 10th round and it was all done, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, it didn't hurt me then at all, you know, but it was, it was an awesome feeling. Um, I want to ask you about the guys that you competed with, and I and I want to frame it this way. 
Um, your brother, Robert, won world titles in 1990 and 1991. You won your first one in 92. You mentioned Dan Mortensen earlier. Dan won his first one in 93. And 94, 95, you win in 96. Um, it would be easy, given how great the Etbowers were as a group, to say who was your biggest rival and for you to say my brother um, or my brother's. Um, yeah. but was there a, should, should we look back on you and Dan and, and think, you know, these two guys are two of the greatest of all time. Dan's Dan's another one. I started this by saying, you know, if you read the Bronc riders bios on ProRodeo.com, a bunch of them say they're, their most respected guys, Billy Etbauer, and a bunch of them say their most respected guys, Dan Mortensen or both. Um, what, was there a, was there a little bit of a rivalry there at all? Well, yeah, well, I don't think you, I think you'd have to say there's, you know, definitely some, but, uh, like that, it was, uh, you know, we, we didn't ever travel together or anything like that. And, and, uh, I guess I'd, I'd say it was just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you, when, when you're duking it out every year for the, for the world title and stuff, you know, uh, you know, it's, uh, I reckon you got to call that a rivalry, but still it, it, uh, everybody out there, you know, between like Robert and Danny and Craig, you know, and it, it's just kind of like all these kids now, it, uh, you know, there's, to me, there's more than, you know, like I think Craig should have won the world at least once, you know, I think Danny should have won the world at least once. And I think, you know, just because, uh, I, I feel that I was blessed to be able to have good finals and, and have things kind of stay together where like another person maybe got hurt or, you know, and something kept them from being able to win a world title, you know, it just wasn't in the cards, you know, so you, you just count your blessings that you, that what you were able to do and, and just work as hard as you can to get there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, God plan on what happens and it is what it is, you know, so we're going to do what we can to help, uh, help everybody get to where, um, uh, where they want to be just like Mr. Funk, uh, you know, he's trying to help us, uh, do what we can do what he can to help us get down, you know, and do what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, from 1990 so. until 2000, every world title in the Bronc riding, was won by either somebody named Et Bauer or Dan Mortensen. Robert won two. Billy started in '93. Uh, if it wasn't Billy, it was it was Dan. Um, that was a really interesting generation of saddle bronc riders in in that time period. I think yeah, there was you competed with and against some of the greatest guys in the world. Oh yeah, yeah no, and I I think it's yeah I, I you know I think it's that way. It's been that way forever, and and you know and still is. You know I mean there's every year, you know, everything kind of changes a little bit here and there. And, you know, the horses have kind of changed a little bit, you know, and everything sort of changes, but still there's, you know, there is, there's still uh, the awesome great Cowboys, you know, now and, and, uh, you know, always was and always will be. So I want to ask you one more question about your career. And then I want to talk about what you guys are doing today. And I remember Billy, it was August of your final year of competing. You were about to go over the $3 million mark in career earnings. And I, I remember specifically, I was at the rodeo in Gooding, Idaho, 
And that might have been the week. You didn't go over $3 million in Gooding, but that might have been the weekend that you went over the $3 million mark. And um, I, I talked to you just briefly before the rodeo, and this is going to sound like Steve's dumb question of the day, so if I'm way off base here, please tell me. <laughs> I really felt like at some point there, you were just sick and tired of hearing about it. Like, let me get over 3 million so we can go on with it. Was, was I right at all in thinking that I, I, it, it just kind of was, it came up and at the time, I mean, Stetson Wright's already gone over 3 million now, um, headed toward four when he gets healthy again. But at that time, that was a, that was the gold standard. And was, am I right in any of that, that, you know, there was kind of a, almost a relief that, okay, thank God I finally did it. Now these rodeo announcers will quit talking about it thing going on there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it wouldn't be, I guess it wouldn't, I don't never really, uh, you know, I didn't, it, it didn't bother me that everybody was talking about it. You know, I'm just glad I was able to finally get over it. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it probably seemed like forever that it took to get over it, you know, and it's not because anybody's say anything, you know, I wish you could just say that you was riding, uh, better and you know that a guy just tipped right over you know and got got right over it you know but um you know i think the uh, just like that the whole age and everything is creeping up on me you know and and just wasn't going like it was before and and actually had holly and the kids rodeoing uh around um a little bit then you know and so it was just it was just hard to to kind of get there harder, I should say, to get over the, the top of that, you know, and you got to just tie everything to that, you know, and, and like I say, just thank God we finally made it, you know, but, uh, but it sure didn't bother me that everybody was, you know, uh, cause I think it was everybody's pulling for you to help yeah. you try to get over it, you know? So it was more kind of like a, I didn't, I didn't have to do it for me. I wanted to do it for, for, for everybody else too. You know, I wanted uh, they're all their support, you know, to, to show too, that, that I, you know, I appreciate everything that they've done. So if I, I will, I confess, if you would have been able to go out at that rodeo in, in Idaho that night and had, had a horse that you could stick a 90 on and, and, and we knew you were going to win a big check at the rodeo. I, I already had rehearsed what I was going to say. <laughs> it was, gonna, <laughs> it was, it was going to be a speech, but anyway, that, that's, <laughs> a long time ago now talk about what you're doing today uh the Epbauer family is big time in the horse business i i i spent some time talking to your wife holly a couple of times while we were setting this up and you were running around out with veterinarians taking care of reset mares and doing all those kinds of things you can i mean you can be out until midnight some nights it sounds like just taking care of horses talk about what you guys are doing today yeah, well, we're trying to minimize that midnight deal, but uh, but yeah, while well, we board uh, recipient mares for ETS, so like this year, we've I guess we've kind of started out. We got about three hundred head of them, and uh, like that, we started putting them under lights uh, just before we left to go to the finals, and then just the other day here, like the first of February, then we started checking mares so that as those mares are cycling. Then they put these these embryos in, and uh, you know they're actually doing the ICSI deal and all that kind of stuff now too. So, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just boarding all those recipient mares for for the clinic. So they've got to check, you know, anywhere from 
uh, 10 to 50 head, uh, basically about every day. And we're going to, we're going to skip today. We're just kind of getting started this year. Uh, so we get to skip today, but then we're, you know, we've been doing it, uh, I guess we did it three days in a row and then now we're skipping a day. And then of course we don't, we try not to do nothing on Sundays and, and, uh, but yeah, with, with, with as much mud and everything as we got around here right now, it, it is, uh, it is a task to get, uh, say like 30 head out of, you know, out of 200 head of them, you know, you kind of, in the way the pens are, we need to get these pens cleaned out, you know, between the mud and everything, you know, it's just kind of a little bit hectic at the moment, yeah. you know, but it, it's fun. Like to me, it's fun, you know, cause you're playing cowboy, you're horseback, you know, and, and you're getting to handle horses, you know, so it, it, it's a whole lot of fun for me. And, and then like that were the horses that we're raising, we got PC frosty bid and, and that's our stud. And, and then we got, uh, you know, like 15 bears that were, and we breed to some outside studs and stuff too, you know, but Holly and JC are running barrels on the things that we're, that we're raising. And, uh, and then Treg, he's actually roping on them and too. And, and then plus like trail Robert's boy, you know, he's, uh, bulldog and roping on them shade roping on his a little bit or was, I should say not anymore, but, uh, you know, we've, we've just been, uh, very blessed with some, some great horses and, and very nice horses. And we've got some that we've, the girls have sold and they, you know, they've got out there now and, you know, there's, uh, you know, they're, they're really doing some good on them, you know, and hopefully they will, I guess that's what the hopes are. So, um, but it, it's a lot of fun. To, it's a lot of fun to, when you're breeding them and and uh raising those colts and training them and doing it all yourself it's just uh it's really fun to see when somebody can uh really go do some good on them and, and you know we've got uh you know hopefully we've got one out there hopefully they'll maybe be at the finals here next year you know but uh, uh we'll just kind of see what happens and and you know, it, it's definitely a full-time job. Yeah. you Tell me if I've got this right. You bought a stallion off the track in like 1995 named No Whistle. Is that right? Have I, have I got yes, that? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you, you had a son of his named Whistle at the Babes. Is that right? Yes, yes, and that was that was out of uh, out of Foles Debbie, which was uh, you know they she's got major. Uh, big stats on her and but there was so whistle at the babes is by uh the old no whistle and out of that falls debbie hmm. um the how come you went to the track to buy your first first stud was that your first well stud? <laughs> well i didn't i was actually rodeoing and uh holly holly actually uh when she was growing up she rode a no whistle uh, back like when she was, well, probably even before high school or any of that. Um, but she rode and she liked that. She liked that horse. And anyway, they, she found out about, uh, uh well, we had some horses that I'd brought from South Dakota and, uh, we had them down here and she found out about that old no whistle stud that a guy had over here. So she actually ended up paying, I think she gave 2,500 for, for him and he was 26 i think mm. at the time 
And uh, so like that, she had never done any of it. And we'd always pasture bred everything in South Dakota. And, uh, you know, so it opened a whole big old can of worms to, you know, but we sure got some great horses, you know, what the kids have grown up, uh, their, their whole lives basically on, on stuff that we've raised and trained ourselves, you know, and, and like that, uh, Holly and JC absolutely love to run barrels on them and, and have done very well on them, you know, so, um, we'll just, we'll just keep trying to work at it and, and see where we go. Holly and JC have had some pretty good luck. Um, I, you mentioned, you know, you had some horses you'd sold and I, my theory is that's really the way to build your horse business is to start to get some horses out there that people have bought and have them do well on them. But, but your wife and your daughter have both had real good success, I think, haven't they? Yeah, they've done very well. And then like Holly, well, she had one and she actually was uh, third or fourth at Pendleton one year uh, back in the day when I was still rodeoing. And, you know, she, I think she'll win uh, Walla Walla and, you know, she did some good at some places on uh, like that first batch of no whistle deals and, and, uh, you know, JC and, and is, is working on, uh, well, she's doing a lot of good too, you know, on them around here, but everybody there, we're just kind of hanging around here pretty close, you know, we're hour, two hours from the house. And, and, uh, I guess earlier on, uh, you know, Holly was circuit rodeoing a little bit more. She went to the circuit finals a couple times, and but like that now, they're uh, you know the JC's been going to maybe one or two circuit rodeos, but just doesn't really have that desire to leave. You know, when when we can load up four, five, six, seven, eight horses, you know, and go to a barrel race, a forty barrel race around here, that's kind of what they they want to do. They don't want to just load up one horse and go run one barrel off in Texas, you know, they want to, they want to be able to load it up and load the trailer up and ride four or five, you know, and, and ride, do a bunch of good instead of just one, you know? So. Billy, I, I am remembering, I, I'll bet you I foul this up and you can correct me with what I'm about to get wrong. I'm remembering an interview I did once with Trell. I want to say it was at the timed event and we got to talking about, um, growing up in the Etbauer family and and he said the 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 secret that nobody knows is you know my my dad Robert and my uncles would get home sometimes from rodeo and it'd be late in the evening and we'd be saddling up horses and going out and roping calves or team roping or something is that does that sound familiar to you guys was that part of your <laughs> oh, lives yeah. when you were competing Oh yeah, yeah, and that's uh, well, like Robert, if he was, if he wasn't riding Bronx, he's rope kids, and he was all about it. And oh yeah, and those, and those kids, they grew up that they were out there, you know, they were out there. It didn't matter. You was basically roping on everything every day, you know. If you was around, you know, if you wasn't out there on the road, you was, you was, you know, you was roping. So yeah, <laughs> like like that. I'm I'm no great roper or nothing like that, but we did a lot of it back in the day. <laughs> So, well, maybe you, 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 you wouldn't have seen me at a rodeo. Now, Robert, he rodeoed a little bit with it, you know, but he was uh, more on the horse training side of it than actually rodeoing doing it, you know, but he, he roped, roped calves and loved it. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about being in the horse business, it, at least from our perspective, and we don't have near as many as you do, obviously, but um, 
You know, you, you kind of get impatient sometimes with these colts, don't you? With these babies, you want to, you know, you get them on the ground and you know it's going to be four or five years before you really know what you got there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it takes a while, but that's, uh, you know, it, it, if you just got the patience, to, it's sure great to great to see it. And then once you get them to where you want them, then they get old way too fast, you know. So, so it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, oh, it's great fun, but it's sure sad when they, when you lose them too, you know, so. Yeah. At Bauer Performance Horses, I'm reading from BillyEtBauer.com. Family business, Billy Holly and family raise some of the country's top speed bred performance horses um and uh, it's turned into i mean you it's a lot of work to have that many horses around but it sounds to me like it's turned into something that you're you're taking you're you're very you're you're justifiably very proud of billy i think is is where i want to go with this and um uh, sounds to me like you're you're enjoying the heck out of it Oh yeah, no, it is. It's great. And like that, I, you know, anything with the cowboy part of it, you know, I'm just all about it. You know I mean? And like that, we got the grandkids, my oldest boy, Cord, he's got the two grandsons and they just, they just walked down here a little bit ago and they're two and one now, you know, so we got to try to keep them coming. So hopefully these kids can, you know, if they so desire to, to go do it, you know, they don't have to go, uh, be cowboys, you know, but, uh, we sure want to have good horses underneath of them, you know? And so uh, we'll just see what happens. And it's just, uh, it's just a blessing to be able to have them. Yeah. So, uh, Billy, I really appreciate your time. Um, it is such an honor to have a chance to catch up with you, tell your story, let folks hear about your, your, um, your travels back in the day. And, and now today, what you're up to and, and, uh, I want, I want to finish the way I started. Um, part of the reason that everybody loved the Etbowers is you always, you and Robert and, and Danny, and, and I think even Craig, I, I, God bless him. I wish he was, you know, and, and I, I wish I'd have had a chance to get to know him a little bit better than I did, but y'all were always so humble and so, you know, not, not out there to put on a big show for you, but, but let your your writing do the talking but i started this by saying by talking about you know the the atbauer boys and and the the number of bronc riders who even today say you guys are the the people they look up to how much does that mean to you to know that there's a bunch of saddle bronc riders and a bunch of rodeo cowboys who still look back on the atbauers and and see the people that they want to recognize and be like well, it's an honor and a blessing. I mean, you know, you can't, I don't know, uh, we, you know, Robert, he and Craig actually, they, you know, like Craig was a coach out there at Panhandle State for the rodeo team there. And, and, uh, you know, after we lost Craig, then, then Robert, uh, took over, you know, so they're always doing, and we've got the school, the Bronx school out there the second weekend in May, uh, every year and we have since like 90 whatever you know so you know there i guess robert and craig you know have done more than what danny and i have but we always go try to help put on that school you know we're always trying to help those kids but like that we just thank everybody for all the support and you know we're going to do anything and everything we can to help those kids you know down the road you know and and just thank god for the abilities that we had and was able to do that you know so just thanks everybody for what they've all done because that's that's what made it all worth it is everybody's support so i kept you way longer than i asked you for billy and thank you so much for your time 
No, you're good, and thank you. I appreciate it, and appreciate you guys talking or talking to you. So, thanks. Billy Edbauer on the Legends of the Hall podcast, brought to you by Wrangler. Long live Cowboys! Please like and subscribe to our programming. Don't forget to join us for the Steve Kenyon podcast. It drops every Thursday. You can find all of our programming at 8SecondsMedia.com. 